Welcome to Women on Wealth, a podcast by women for women. Our mission is to empower women to embrace the discussion around wealth, demystify finance and market-related topics, and break down the emotions that surround these decisions. Your host is Julina Ogilvie, Partner and Wealth Advisor with Principal Wealth Partners. She is a certified private wealth advisor and a certified investment management analyst with over 20 years of industry experience. Hi everyone, this is Jelena, and today we're going to talk about the baking fundamentals as they apply to investing. I have interviewed a ton of amazing women and the number one request I receive for the podcast is to learn more on how to invest and that's what I'd like to focus on today. I'm going to start first with what I believe is not the definition of investing. There's a common misconception that investing is just find me a stock that will make me money. We as advisors, we hear this a lot, and that to me is not the definition of investing, but the definition of trading. In the same conversation, when I ask those same individuals to then think longer term and how they envision their perfect future, the number one word I hear is security, especially among women. Security in your future won't come from trading a stock. That's great if you want to do it with additional assets that you may have after you have saved and invested appropriately for the longer term. But today, I want to focus on that long-term goal of being an investor to help you attain that security. Our industry loves to use analogies to simplify some of the complexities of the market. So I'm going to do that today and talk about the fundamentals of baking as a way to think about investing long-term. Most individuals have baked at some point in their life. I'm pretty sure most middle schools still have some form of home ec, which includes baking. I know my my girls certainly do. I would personally like to also think that I'm a baker because I have a massive sweet tooth, but my capabilities are unfortunately limited. Most of my baking will be from the back of a Duncan Hines brownie box, and to personalize it as a quote-unquote Jelena dish, I throw butterscotch pieces into it. So to help me with this discussion today, I have two very special bakers, my niece and daughter, to contribute to this discussion. Baking like investing may seem complicated, especially when you've never done it before, until you follow a recipe. There are three key components of the recipe that we will discuss. The ingredients, measurements, and then time and temperature. So let's get started with a conversation with my niece, Abby. So tell everyone how old you are. I am 11. And how long have you been baking? I've been baking for about four years. Okay, four years. And so what, what is it that you enjoy about baking? Um, I enjoy that you can, like, at the beginning, know what you're about to do and set, like, a goal that you're going to do. And then at the end, have a finished product that you can be proud of. And it's a finished product that's very good, I have to add, because we just saw you on spring break. And what was the cake you made your dad? Um, I made a carrot cake with citrus cream cheese frosting. That is my favorite frosting. So so you mentioned you have a process and you have a goal. Mm-hmm. So you follow a recipe. Yes. Do you always follow a recipe? Yes, except for um, the frosting that I used for the cake, I made that recipe up myself. Oh, wow. So when you made it up, 
did you, did you start with a recipe and then sort of play with it a little bit? Yeah, I started with multiple different recipes and saw what each one did and then kind of joined them together. Okay, great. And so what is it that you like about following a recipe? Why do you think that's important? I think following a recipe is important because it lets you know what you have to do. That way it turns out the way you want it. Okay, great. I love it. So when you bake, there are, I'll call it common ingredients that you tend to find in each of the recipes. What, what do you tend to, what do you tend to bake with? Uh, sugar, eggs, flour, and butter. Okay. And do you put them all in at the same amount? No. No? Why, why do you think that won't work? Um, because they're all different, like, consistencies and tastes, and they all have their own role. And if you put them all in as the same, then it will turn out different. Yep. I, I completely agree. Is there anything um, that you haven't baked yet that you want to, that you're, you want to do going forward? I really want to try making macarons because Ooh. I've seen it and I know it's challenging, but I really would like to try that out sometime. Well, good luck. And I hope that when you make it, I am there to taste it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. So let's review the three key components ingredients, measurements, and time and temperature. And by the way, as I review them, hopefully you'll see that they are all interconnected and support each other. So first, you have your basic ingredients. These are your asset classes, of which there are traditionally three. You have equities, fixed income, and cash. Within the equities, these ingredients can vary, such as US equities versus international equities, large companies versus small companies, and even value companies that likely pay a dividend versus growth companies that are more focused on outpacing the growth of the market. There are also broad asset classes within fixed income. There's U.S. treasuries, corporate bonds, mortgage-backed securities, international bonds, just to name a few. But your ingredients are your asset classes that you choose to invest in. How you choose to invest in these is almost like deciding what brand of the ingredient you want to buy. The brands most commonly used are mutual funds and ETFs. They both have their own qualities that can be beneficial. In fact, here at Principal Wealth Partners, we use both in our portfolios. Both offer the benefit over an individual stock or bond in that you own a basket of securities in one strategy. A mutual fund pools money from many investors and is professionally managed by a money manager for a fee. An ETF is an exchange-traded fund and is similar in many ways, except it trades on the stock exchange, meaning they are bought and sold throughout the day, while a mutual fund only prices at the end of each day. ETFs used to be synonymous with passive, meaning you just own the benchmark there's no active management, and for that reason, you pay a lower fee than in a mutual fund. While this is still the case for many, there is a shift in the industry to what's known as active ETFs. For that reason, you want to make sure you research the different options and focus on three key components known as the three Ps. Whether it's a mutual fund or ETF, you want to know the process, their performance, and their price. So those are your ingredients. 
Next are your measurements. This is your acid allocation. As Abby wisely states, your ingredients all have a different purpose. You don't use the same measurement for each ingredient. Each asset class you choose, even within equities and fixed income, have their own risk and return characteristics. I'll use two extreme examples to make the case. If you're investing for your retirement, say 30 plus years, you wouldn't want to keep all of your money in cash or a money market fund. Yields today in money markets are close to zero, and yet inflation is close to 2%. So over a 30-year period, you would have essentially lost money relative to inflation. On the flip side, my spouse and I just bought a house. As we were preparing to close, we had our down payment sitting in a money market fund. We didn't want to risk that money in the stock market in the short term, and were willing to accept almost 0% from that. As great as the potential for high return may be, so is the potential for loss. I know these are extreme examples, but studies show that the most important attribution over time is not choosing that one investment idea over another, but it's the asset allocation in your portfolio. Research from Vanguard shows that 88% of your experience, meaning the volatility that you encounter and the returns that you earn, will come from the asset allocation that you choose. Some younger investors that have time on their side may choose to be 80-20, meaning 80% in equities and 20% in fixed income. While others that are in retirement and more cautious of fluctuation may be 40-60, meaning 40% in equities and 60% in fixed income. There's no right or wrong answer. It's finding the balance of that return versus risk that you are comfortable with while at the same time allowing you to achieve your goals. And then there's time and temperature, another important balancing act. You need to be more cautious of time the hotter the temperature that you're baking with. Same concept in investing. The longer the time horizon, the more aggressive you can be. Your time horizon is crucial piece to the decision of your asset allocation and to the selection of your assets. In my recent example of buying a home that was short-term need versus planning for retirement over 30 years where you can be more aggressive because time is on your side. When you think about investing, you always want to start with the time horizon that you have in mind for what you're looking to accomplish. This will set a guideline for what the asset allocation should look like. I'm sure we all at one time or another have tried to cut corners. In investing, this is no different. Investors all the time just want that quote hot idea. I hear all the time, I just want the next Apple or Amazon. So what happens when you cut corners? Or I'll rephrase it by asking what happens when you leave a key component out? So to answer this, I had a discussion with my daughter, Sydney. All right, Sydney, will you tell everyone how old you are and how long have you been baking? Um, I'm nine years old. I'm about to turn 10, though. And I've been baking since I was um, like six. Okay. Because I remember after... Like, before school, like, I would sit on the counter and make eggs. Okay. I remember. And you've been baking a lot in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how I know when you've been baking in the kitchen? 
I always leave a mess. Yes, you do. So we bake a lot out of boxes. Yeah, like cake or like brownie boxes. Uh-huh. But what have we made from scratch that we really enjoyed a lot? Banana bread. Banana bread. And it hasn't always come out the way we had hoped it would, right? No. No? What, <laughs> happened? what happened last time? Um, the last time, um, we were making banana bread, and we left the butter in the microwave, and no one noticed. Like, I noticed that, like, the microwave was, like, going off, but, like, I thought someone else got the butter and, like, poured it in. And then when we, like, after we baked it, we realized that we forgot something. And my dad always, like, points out, oh, my God, like, you missed something. And then we realized that we missed the butter. How did it taste? It tasted fine, but, I mean, we just, it didn't taste good like, yeah it tastes okay <laughs> you can say like, it it didn't taste very good no it, it tastes like okay but like not okay it wasn't what we thought it would be no no and then like two days later we found the butter in the microwave and that's when we realized, and the, that's ingredient when we realized we that the ingredient we missed was in the microwave yeah the whole time and we never did that again no nope okay thank you sydney for sharing our story Thanks, Sydney. And by the way, I really want to emphasize that if you've ever made banana bread and left the butter out, it really does not taste good. In summary, I want to remind everyone that these three components are again intertwined and equally important in planning a long-term investing strategy. It's your asset selection, meaning your equity, bond, and cash selection. Your asset allocation, meaning the percentage in each of these. And finally, your time horizon. I can't stress the importance of this process. This is the foundation of how to invest. If you've seen my professional signature, you've seen some initials and may be wondering what they are, or maybe not. One of them is the SEMA, which is the Certified Investment Management Analyst designation. This is administered through the Investments and Wealth Institute. It's an accreditation that's dedicated to portfolio construction for my clients and a lot of it is understanding the risk and return of each of these asset classes and what happens when you combine them. For me to receive this included three exams and was taught in conjunction with the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. I learned a lot of amazing concepts through this, but the most important is it starts with the foundation that we discussed today. I hope to explore more on this topic in future episodes. In the meantime, focus on the baking fundamentals. Thanks for listening to Women on Wealth, by women, for women. Stay up to date by subscribing to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, please visit www.principalwealthpartners.com or join us on Facebook and LinkedIn.